0: Sounds like a little bit like some of our Christmases, huh? But let's think about it. From understanding Luke's description of what happened, even the news of Jesus' conception in and of itself was completely out of the blue, completely unexpected, and threw both Mary and Joseph's life plan right out the window. They didn't plan for that to happen. Here are two young people where Joseph had successfully convinced Mary's father of, that he was good enough of allowing her to marry him. They had officially entered into that year-long time period of betrothal, where the wedding and living details were all worked out. Joseph had a relatively successful carpentry trade business going, and as was the usual custom, he and Mary would probably live with Mary's parents for a year after they got married to get their feet under them. That was the plan. It was the usual plan, and it was a good plan. But then Mary got that unexpected visit from the angel Gabriel, which turned everything upside down. She was chosen out of all the women who had ever lived and ever would live to be the mother of the prophesied Messiah, the deliverer, both from sin and in the future, the entire world. All those hundreds of prophecies from the Jewish scriptures were going to be fulfilled in and through the child she was told she would bear. But the conception was not according to her and Joseph's plan. And it wasn't anywhere near societally acceptable. She would face derision, a breaking off of the betrothal by Joseph, and probably destitute poverty if God did not come through for her. And yet, in the face of this chaotic turn of events, Mary trusted God to accomplish His will, both for her and for the entirety of human history. For Joseph, he had saved up enough money for Mary's bride price, And he was saving up money for his and Mary's new life together. Everything was lining up for him. He had a good job. He was going to get married in a few months. Everything was going the way that he had planned until his betrothed made a startling confession to him that seemed just a little too far-fetched to be true. What did she claim? She claimed that the origin of her pregnancy was not infidelity, but some concocted idea of an angel and God's Holy Spirit miraculously working within her to create a person who was both 100% man and 100% God. And this baby she was carrying was the Jewish Messiah. Yeah, right. Right. Right? Think about it. And even as heartbroken as Joseph was, he was going to spare her as much humiliation as possible, but still break off the betrothal. And when he was about to do that, God speaks to him in a dream and tells him, Joseph, it's all true. Every single thing Mary told you is true. It's going to happen. Joseph's faith led him to do exactly what God told him to do. That, I think, would be enough stress, anxiety, and fear for two young people in a very conservative culture. They revised their life plan, including this unexpected pregnancy, and made do with what fallout may have resulted from their two families. Do you think either one of their families was too happy about any of this? Not at all. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Mary's parents may have come around, accepted Mary's story, and as was the usual custom of the day, were making plans to be with her and help out with their daughter's first birthing experience. Those plans were now set in place. And then all of a sudden, some more news comes down the pike that turned their world upside down once again. The Roman emperor had ordered his unruly subject, Herod, to take a census that demanded that every male in his kingdom who owned land, they had to go back to the location where they owned that land in order to have that property counted towards taxes to the empire because the emperor would have his money. Joseph possibly just so happened to own some land, probably through an inheritance in the town of Bethlehem. You would think that if anyone was exempt from having to make the 70 to 80 mile trek to Bethlehem from Nazareth, it would have been pregnant Mary. However, there was a possible discount for registering land in a greater metropolitan area. Joseph could reduce his taxes owed on that property by 50% if he registered it the way it was supposed to be registered. In addition, if Joseph had his son with him and registered his son, his son could also claim that 50% discount when he came of age. Enter Mary, who still had that son inside of her. In addition, it's been shown that women in the region of Jerusalem slash its suburb of Bethlehem were taxed as well. It's a good possibility that Mary, also being of the tribe of Judah, would have had to register herself. Mary and Joseph may have been in Bethlehem for a few weeks and were most likely staying with relatives in Bethlehem when Luke 2 tells us that it was time for Mary to give birth. You might have said, wait a second. Luke actually uses the word for a guest room in Luke chapter 2 as in a house instead of the wildly popular view of a barn and back of an inn. This, I'm sure, was not the way Mary wanted to give birth for the very first time. In a crowded house, owned by relatives, who had also returned to Bethlehem to be counted, where there was no privacy, there was no room to give birth, except for the house's stable attached to it. If you read Luke chapter 2, all that's mentioned is that there needs to be a manger somewhere. Uh, and this is so, you. if you talk about the house that was owned by one of Joseph's relatives, there would have been a stable attached to it where a manger would have been. Again, Luke, Luke uses the word for guest room in his account rather than the word for inn. Mary gives birth to her firstborn child and lays him in a feeding trough in that stable because once again... There was no other room or place in the house that was quiet enough for a newborn baby and his mother. Nothing's gone according to plan so far, right? Absolutely nothing. You would have thought things would settle down by this point, right? Imagine now, going through all of that. Now, a ragtag band of smelly sheep herders who are despised by the rest of society for having the reputation of being dirty thieves show up to the front door of this house demanding to see the baby who is just born. They're raving about angels declaring them the news that the baby who was just born is the Messiah. Joseph, knowing the true identity of his earthly son, shows them in. That's a lot of grace right there, isn't it? Through the back stable door and these shepherds worshipped who this baby really was. But do you think Mary was naturally happy about that? Only a short time after she labored to give birth and all she wants to have is quiet time with her little family and what happened? Does she get it? No. No. Once again, this was just the last piece of an experience in which all of her plans were ruined time and time again. But what does that show us? What Mary and Joseph were focused on and what they derived their fulfillment from was not that things went the way they wanted or that they even necessarily felt happy about it, or at peace, even, with how things were. They just were. They derived their peace and fulfillment from knowing that God was accomplishing His will, not only for them, but for the whole world. And that, for Mary and Joseph, was enough. This Christmas, let us know who God is, And that he's accomplishing his will and plan for each of us. Even if we're not happy about it, even if it doesn't look like he is. He accomplished his will for his son, who was born in the exact place the scriptures foretold. Lived the perfect and sinless life, also foretold. Died for our sins by taking our place for the condemnation for those sins and rose again to offer us a new life of forgiveness, restoration, hope, and peace, and the truth of eternal life. Instead of focusing on our situation and everything that's going wrong, let us have the peace of knowing that God has a plan for each of us. He's making that plan come to pass. He's growing us spiritually through all of it. And for all of us, that's enough too. Amen.